No, they're getting exactly, no, no, no. They're getting exactly what they deserve. Exactly. My only problem with it is that I have to pay for it. No, uh, no, I, they're, look, those people in Georgia, they're getting exactly what they deserve and exactly what I thought they would get. But the problem is we get to all pay for it because of their incompetence. I mean, absolute classic GOP establishment in, uh, incompetence. I mean, these are the kind of people who they do the campaigns and they have a $1,000 a plate dinner and they do the fundraisers and they uh, have a tea and they have a little social and they make the campaign promises and they bombard you with 97 little postcards to your mailbox and then they get in and nothing, nothing but just uh, pad their own career. And that's exactly why Donald J. Trump got elected, is it not? He stood on the stage. He looked at these career politicians, the GOP establishment politicians. He said, you guys are all talk, no action. And people who, like me, have gone to those, gone to those events and put, sent in our 20 bucks and, and campaigned and gotten on the phones and passed out a flyer and put the bumper sticker on our car, we all said to ourselves, that's exactly right. I've done it too long. I want somebody that's going to actually do something. And so we elected Donald J. Trump, who's done more than any president in my lifetime. Got it done. Got it done. And the things he did not get done... He didn't get done precisely because of those deadbeats in Congress, those lifelong establishment GOP people. So uh, anyway, so uh, Georgia, in total incompetence, uh, allow uh, the same charade uh, to, to go on, same song, second verse. And so they have at least uh, one Democrat, if not both Democrats, elected to the Senate. And now the Senate is at least tied uh, and probably both, uh, both Democrats will win. And, and so now you would have Nancy Pelosi running the House and Chuck Schumer uh, running uh, the Senate. Imagine that for America. Now, um, that brings us to today, though. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Today is the day of days and why it's so important, because today is the day. The day of days. So welcome, everybody. This is Vu, the voice of one Episode 57 for Wednesday, the day of days, January 6th, year of our Lord, 2021. It's Electors Count Showdown Day, and it's Trump Inauguration Day minus 14. Well, it's great to have you guys on board today. Uh, the entire world is focused on Washington, D.C., a big freedom rally going on there right now uh, in support of Trump. Friends of mine are there uh, in that crowd, supporting the president and a free and fair election. And then uh, this afternoon, we have uh, what typically is just a ceremonial event that hardly even makes the news. And that is, it's the time when, according to both the Constitution and uh, specific law, the Congress meets to open and count the electoral votes. In a sense, this is the final day, this is the final step of, you might say, certification, ratification, whatever you want, word you want to use, uh, where the incoming president is acknowledged by the Senate and the House. Now, the big focus today is on the role of the vice president, Michael Pence, right? 
<laughs> and so, uh, and, and rightly so, rightly so. But uh, it's interesting because I want to go over today, really just three, three segments today. Mike Pence, Woody Cumbie, and the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> okay, or, or we could put it this way. The role, that Mike, <laughs> the role that Mike Pence plays today, what I think is going to happen, or should happen, and, uh, and then uh, the Lord's role in, in all of this as we roll toward 14 days away now, two weeks away from Inauguration Day. So uh, we'll consider all three of those things uh, during this uh, Voice of One. So what I'm going to do is take a brief break. We'll be coming back, and I want to talk specifically just about the process today because there's been so many you know, things sent through Facebook Messenger, and everybody's forwarded this or that or posted this or that. And it's, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like that parable, right, that parable that had to do with the blind people and the, and, the, and the elephant, right? And they were all right. They were all right, right? It just, one was holding on to the tail and said the elephant's like a rope, right? And one's holding on to the, to the leg and said he's like a tree, right? So it, it, they were all right, but they, none of them had the big picture. So what I want to do is just back up today. And say, okay, let's take, a, let's take a big picture look. What is it when you watch this unfold today? What, what, what really could Mike Pence do? And, and how would that uh, impact? And why does he have certain options? And what's the circumstance uh, coming into today? Because the fact of the matter is it's, it's, uh, it's not cut and dried. It's not cut and dried. So uh, we'll take a brief break, and then I'll be right back with the role of Mike Pence today, the day of days. Oh no, Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins, man, is <laughs> is on the voo. Wow. 1979 with his song This Is It as part of the, the album Keep the Fire of All Things. So, uh, yeah, 1979 made it to number 11 on the Billboard Top 100. Kenny Loggins. All right, folks, uh, what role does, uh, does Mike Pence play today? A lot of focus on him, right? The president is tweeting out about it. There's AP stories. There's insider reports on this and that. We know for sure that the president, vice president, the lawyers, they've all met and talked through the various options, and they've talked to constitutional professors and all kinds of folks to, to have their strategy. And I know Mike Pence, he'll be He'll be well prepared for today and uh, the strategy that he's going to take. But make no mistake, there's a lot of, a lot of focus on him. I found a, an article in the Epic Times that I think um, I, I've seen various articles, and they tend to take one slant or another, one slice or the other. This is the best, this is the most comprehensive, I guess you'd say, explanation of the context we find ourselves in today in terms of law, constitution, and the role of the vice president today. So, and I think it'll help you understand uh, the options that were before, so that when it rolls out today, whatever happens, you'll kind of have a context for it. This is, uh, this was an, a, an article written by Jeff Carlson yesterday, 
And the title is, How Will Pence Treat the Electoral Envelopes in His Hand? Whatever Pence chooses, the ramifications will be far-reaching. Absolutely. Okay, so this is a this is a really good article, and it and it's uh, pretty detailed, but it it really it it talks about the conflict between a federal law that has to do with electors and uh, the Constitution, and so the one is the Electoral Count Act of eighteen eighty seven, otherwise known as the ECA, also known as three U.S. Code Section fifteen. Now, it's that law that says this, Congress shall be in session on the 6th day of January, succeeding every meeting of the electors. The Senate and the House of Representatives shall meet in the hall of the House of Representatives at the hour of 1 o'clock in the afternoon on that day, and the President of the Senate shall be their presiding officer. Okay, so what's happening today is in accordance with this ECA. Now, you have, um, you have, however, what's spoken of in the Constitution about how the electors work, right? And in the, in the 12th Amendment of the Constitution, it reads, The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives, open all the certificates and votes, and the vote shall then be counted, end quote. All right, so on the one hand... On the ECA, you have the vice president as the presiding officer, in effect. And on the other one, you have that the fact in the Constitution, the vice president is the counter. He's the guy doing the counting. Okay, so, <laughs> so you can see now where, where, this, where this whole thing comes in. Now, here's what's going to happen today. that They're going to meet, and Mike Pence... Uh, is going to on set, and he's going to go through the states alphabetically, and he's going to say, "Here's Alabama," and he'll say how many votes they have, electoral votes they have, and the fact that they went for uh, whoever they Trump or or uh, Biden. Uh, in this case, Trump, I su- suppose. Now, here's the catch: <laughs> when he gets to Arizona, he's going to have two envelopes. Same thing with Georgia, Nevada, New Mexico, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. All of those states sent alternate slates of electors. So what's he going to do with them? Well, if you follow this federal statute, he's basically the presiding officer. And without getting into all the weeds here, basically that federal statute gives the power to the Senate and the House. They have the power to raise objections and present evidence and then decide which slate of electors they want to choose. And that's exactly what you've heard about happening today, right? You've heard that Ted Cruz and and Josh Hawley and a hundred-something House members are going to object to these slates of electors, and then they're going to be given, according to the rules, In this election thing, the ECA, uh, they're going to be given two hours to present their evidence. And this could happen seven different times, 14 hours worth of evidence being presented. Now, that's going to be very illuminating to many people in the press, apparently, and and thus 
the American people who have never heard yet about all these election irregularities and uh, the fraud and all the different things, right, that, that, that are going to be brought out. So, um, but what happens, here's the catch. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get to that in just a second. So, on the one hand, here's, here's Pence. He's got the two sets of electors. If you go by this ECA law, which they've gone by since 1887, it, it really, the whole thing resides in the, he's just, provi- he's just the presiding officer, right? The, the whole thing is going to reside with the Senate and the House. Now, on the other hand, if he goes by the 12th Amendment of the Constitution, where it says that the vice president, the president of the Senate, is going to open the votes and count them, he's the counter, right? It seems to say he's the one who has the authority to decide which of these envelopes he's going to choose. So on the one hand, it resides with the Senate, and on the other side, it resides with the the vice president. And that's why Louis Gohmert filed a lawsuit. I, I think he wrongly sued Pence and made all the headlines and all that kind of stuff. He should have sued the Congress or should have it should have been different. But his point is that this ECA is unconstitutional. It was unconstitutional from the beginning because it sets out provisions not only that are different and in addition to the, the uh, Constitution, but they violate, they contradict the Constitution. So let me read from this, um, let me read from this article in Epoch Times about the differences uh, between the three. Now, uh, it says, uh, quote, specifically the ECA diverges from the 12th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States in three crucial areas as described by lawyer Stephen Meister. And I'm quoting now from the lawyer. First, while the 12th Amendment grants no role whatsoever to the Senate, let me start that sentence again. While the 12th Amendment grants no role whatsoever to the Senate, the ECA grants the Senate equal control over objections as they must pass the Senate and the House. Now let's stop right there. There's three ways it diverges, but let's just stop right there. So again, this is what you've heard about. You've heard about the objections. You heard the word objection, right? So here's Cruz, here's Holly, here's the 100 people. They're going to all object. They're object. They're following this ECA. But did you hear what it said? First of all, they're doing something that's not provided for in the Constitution. But here's the big point. It has to pass the Senate and the House. It can't be split. So here we come to Arizona. Up pops Ted Cruz. He objects to this slate of, uh, of electors that the governor certified. Boom, they split. They, they, they go over to the Senate, goes to the Senate, the House goes to the House, and they have two hours to present their evidence. Now, this is going to be very revealing, but they they get two hours. But you know what happens at the end of that two hours? The House votes on whether or not to sustain that objection. And guess what? There are more Democrats than there are Republicans. No, this is an individual per-person vote. This isn't that delegation thing. I'll get to that in a minute. So individually, they, they vote. And guess what? 
the Democrats stick together in ways Republicans don't. And I don't care how compelling this evidence is going to be, they're not going to vote against Joe Biden. So the objection is going to lose in the House. And it may lose in the Senate because you've got people like Mitt Romney and others who just don't think this is the path, it's the right path to go down. And so guess what? It loses, and therefore, Arizona, right? Boom, Arizona's governor certified electors for Biden, right, are all given to Biden. And that's going to go right down the line, right, to all seven states. They're going to do that one at a time, take two hours, give their whole, their whole spiel, but at the end of the day, they have to take a vote. And they're going to lose those votes, every one of them. Now let's go to the second way it differs. Second, I'm quoting from the attorney, the ECA provides that in the absence of, of objections passing in both houses, there it is, it's got to pass in both houses, the slate certified by the governor of the state controls. The slate certified by the governor of the state controls. This is, I'm quoting from the lawyer, nowhere provided in the 12th Amendment. The 12th Amendment says nothing about the governor. It only talks about the state legislature. It does not mention anything about the governor. All right? Number three, this is how the ECA diverges from the 12th Amendment. Number three, by providing for governor-certified slates to be counted, even if there are dueling slates of electors, absent objections passing in both houses of Congress, the ECA, listen closely, eliminates and replaces the contingent election procedure set forth in the 12th Amendment. Okay? Now, in other words, what it's saying is, look, um, like you, you've, you've gotten that, you've gotten all those things that's been passed around on Messenger and everything about the contingent election, about how, oh, they're not going to have enough votes, and then it's going to go to the House, and, and then they, they don't vote individually. They vote, by, they vote by delegation, and guess what? There's more Republican delegations than there are uh, Democrats, and they're going to vote for Trump, and Trump's going to be the president by the end of the day. Not if they follow the ECA, because the ECA doesn't give any role for a contingent election. That's in the Constitution. Again, this is why Gohmert sued to say, wait a second, the ECA is unconstitutional. It was from the beginning, and it is today. So everything that you saw on whatever that little, the professor, the pastor, the whoever it was that explained to you the contingent election, the contingent election uh, doesn't happen using the ECA because it's the, it's that, that kind of uh, a dispute has been resolved at the state level by which slate the governor decided to uh, approve, okay? Now, with all of that said, this article ends with five possible paths that Pence might take. I want to read these five. I want to come back and tell you which one I think he should do, 
And uh, then we'll be wrapping it up. But listen, here it is. And this is going to happen now in just a couple hours. Here it is. Five different things Pence could do. Number one, Pence could view his role as nothing more than the opener of the ballots, thereby allowing for congressional use of the Electoral Count Act to determine the president. He, he said, look, let them object, let them vote, let them do their thing. I'm just the guy who opens the envelopes. That's, that's my only role. Number two, Pence could refuse to count any ballots from the contested states that have competing electors. Number three, Pence could theoretically set, select the alternate electoral slate that's for President Trump. This is what many people want him to do. Number four, Pence could select the governor-certified votes in favor of Biden. And that's what some VPs have done in the past. They just went with the, they just went with the system, right? Nope, I'm not getting into this. This is what the governor certified. Nixon did this, right? All right, and number five, Pence could defer his decision, allowing state legislators lectures, the opportunity to uh, formally reconvene and decide if they want to decertify Biden's votes, okay? All right, so I'm going to take a brief break. I'll come back and tell you what I think he should do, and uh, then we'll think about uh, the role of the Lord uh, in this whole thing, all right? We're going to take a brief break and be right back. All right, so <laughs> what should Pence do? Well, I know a lot of people want him to uh, throw out the Biden electors from, let's say, Pennsylvania and choose the Trump. But listen, I, I think you talk about an explosion. Uh, I, I think the worst of all possible things would be for him unilaterally to simply make the decision he and he alone make the decision to throw out electors and choose other ones. I mean, you talk about an eruption. I, I think his best option is to put the onus exactly where the Constitution puts it, and that is these electors are supposed to be determined by process, processes determined by the state legislators, and it's there that, that not the governor the state legislatures that need to make these decisions. And so I'm for the option where he, number five, defers his decision. He says, wait a second. I, and matter of fact, he's got a letter from Pennsylvania asking him to do this very thing. He's got a letter, I think, from Georgia asking him to do this very thing. It'd be helpful if he had a letter from, and maybe he does by now, have a letter from every one of these states saying, please, don't let, it, let us meet as a legislature. That's, that's what the, the letter from Pennsylvania says. He reads the letter. He honors the letter. He says, look, the state legislature is asking for an opportunity uh, to have this opportunity and let, let the presentation be made before the state legislature and let the state legislature decide. To me, that lands it squarely where the Constitution puts it, and that is it's a state thing. If we get into the thing where um, the vice president of the United States unilaterally is going to make a decision, trust me, there's coming a day where there's going to be a, a, uh, there's gonna be a VP who's a Democrat Who's going to say, hey, wait, I just think I'll take these versus these. I'll take these versus these. I mean, that's a, that's a bad precedent to set. And that's not the way to go. And I'm also personally not for going down this whole road of the objections 
and the and the evidence uh, if the deal is it's going to all be decided by a vote by the House and by the Senate because they're going to lose those votes. And so then what? After you lose those votes, then after the fact, Pence decides he's, oh, well, you know what? I don't like that outcome. I think I'll send these back. No, he's got to say that from the start. We'll know it as soon as he gets to Arizona how he's going to handle it. All right, so the day of days, right? And by the way, I'm just, I'll tell you what I believe. I don't believe it will be settled today. I don't. I do think it's going to go back to legislatures. I do think that, you know, Cruz is asking for this, this commission to be uh, created, and perhaps he'll be given a chance to give that presentation and a bipartisan electoral commission to look into it. Okay, that's a possibility, a 10-day moratorium, uh, a chance for the legislatures to meet, all that kind of thing. We could see how, but I'm, I'm still not totally comfortable with the idea of injecting the Congress in it quite to that extent. Um, I, I would really rather it be at the state level because it's closest to the people. It's constitutional. It's where I think the people of a state can put the most uh, leverage on their own uh, legislators. So now finally, I'll just say this. Um, uh, the Lord God Almighty. Um, recently in our church, this past summer, we did a study through the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, um, in Daniel chapter 2, uh, it uh, says this of the Lord. It says, The Lord changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. We are aware of the fact that God is reigning sovereignly over this whole thing. All right? And so now is the time to pray to God. Because look, he, he ordains not only the ends, but also the means. And part of the means are the efforts that we take. Right? He ordains the means as well as the end. And so he raises up a king, yes, but he does it through a process. And the process includes what it is that you and I are doing and the prayers that you and I are praying. And so I continue to pray that uh, the light of life will shine through the darkness, that every impropriety, every fraud, every, uh, every scheme will come to light and be revealed. The truth will come to light, and whatever it is, right? That we will begin to move together on the basis of truth. That's my prayer. And if the truth points to Donald J. Trump, which I believe it does, and he won in a landslide, uh, then uh, let, let it point that direction. Let it point that direction. Finally, I'll say, yes, I believe for, I don't know how it's going to happen. We're close to the Red Sea, ladies and gentlemen. If it's going to part, the Lord needs to part it, however he's going to part it. But I believe it will part. I believe Donald J. Trump will be the president on January 20. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I continue to have faith. God bless you guys, and let's watch today. What a day, the day of days.